0: Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A level biology students. I'm Rhea Corbett, and I'm Sarah Matthews.
1: Hi, I'm Rhea Corbett. I'm a science teacher with biology specialism. And on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co host and little sister, Sarah
0: Matthews,
1: biology A level topic by topic to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource.
0: Yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey. Dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your weaker topics, or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we are here. Hi Hello, we're back. We're
1: back. <laughs> oh my it's god. Been
0: a long How long
1: time. has it been? Like seven weeks?
0: Has it has it been that long?
1: I think it has. Uh. No, it can't have been.
0: No. Hang on, no, because four weeks. Recorded it we recorded an episode of the GCSE, didn't we? So it would have been. So I was off for two. Was it But you were off before. You were
1: ill before, and then you went, before, on a trip went on a trip and, trip, and then you had COVID.
0: Then I had COVID. So it must. It's maybe about four or five weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's been so long. I've missed it so much. Yes. I've really missed it. It's
0: good to get back. And down, we've had. And, we, and do
1: you know what? It's so funny, like. We had some messages this week, and I've just been like, oh my God, I miss the pod. I miss
0: it so much. We're still getting nice messages, even though you haven't put an episode out
1: for ages. Yeah. Right, so episode 67 at last: um, limiting factors of photosynthesis. So I said in the last episode, not last week, but many, many weeks ago, that I just wanted to finish off the photosynthesis with just this one last. Thing. Because really, photosynthesis has only been two episodes right. you had the light dependent and the light independent. So, we're just going to finish off with just a little bit on the limiting factors because it's still important and a lot of questions can come up on this. Today, we're going to be identifying environmental factors that can limit the rate of photosynthesis, evaluate a bit of data relating to common agricultural practices used to overcome the effect of these limiting factors. And describe and explain the absorption and action spectra for photosynthetic pigments. So that is what we're going to look at today, and it's quite brief. It's not like a, not complicated or long or anything. So it right. should be okay. So chlorophyll, what is it?
0: That is a thing, um, and the sun. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> to do with the sun. Yeah.
1: So where do we find it? Where do we find chlorophyll?
0: We find it in the coins. Le- yeah, the coins thylakoids yes yeah so it's
1: inside the thylakoids and inside the photosystems what color is it
0: green
1: okay good so it's a good start and what is its function so make energy so in the start of the light dependent reaction when the chlorophyll absorbs the light what does that light energy do in the chlorophyll do you remember
0: does it make it like vibrate or something yeah
1: so the electrons get excited yeah
0: they, then it
1: They go up the energy levels and then it leaves. Well yeah. done, yeah, good, well remembered. Yeah, so it's inside the thylakoids. It absorbs and captures light to excite electrons. What I want to look at now is just... The
0: resource.
1: The resource, yeah. This resource is a graph that shows the action spectrum for photosynthetic pigments like chlorophyll or just chlorophyll. What you'll notice here is that chlorophyll is actually made up of three different pigments... So you've got chlorophyll A, chlorophyll B and something called carotene. What you can see in this graph is the spectrum of light and the wavelengths. So 400 to 700 nanometers of wavelength spectrum. What you can see is for those three pigments where the best absorption happens or where the most absorption happens of the light. Chlorophyll A is actually the most abundant chlorophyll most like there's more of it in proportion than the other pigments chlorophyll a is found in photosystem one mainly that's the primary pigment chlorophyll b is in photosystem two that's its primary pigment and then the keratin as it is in their carotenoid that just expands the spectrum and just makes sure more light can be absorbed and then it's not wasted what you can basically see there from that graph is the type of light the parts of the spectrum that are absorbed most so if you look at that graph
0: green and yellow is low
1: green and yellow is quite low but red and blue is quite high mm-hmm. these pigments only really absorb red and blue light from the sunlight but green is not absorbed why not
0: because that's the color of the chlorophyll
1: that's the color of the chlorophyll so what happens to the green part of the spectrum well, why it's... does it look green to us
0: I don't know.
1: So, do you you remember what you would have learnt about white light in school and how white light is actually like a rainbow?
0: Right.
1: And if you split the white light, you can see all the different colours. Yeah? Green light, if something looks green, like your shorts, it's because the green light from the light bulb is reflecting off it back into my eye and I can see green. Whatever colour the object looks... It's because that particular light or mixture of colours is being reflected back at my eye. That's why it looks like that. It's not being absorbed into the object. Chlorophyll is green because chlorophyll reflects green light back, or leaves reflect green light back at our eyes, and that's why it looks green, whereas all the rest of the colours mostly are absorbed by it to excite the electrons. So what you can basically see, and this is what I wanted to show you first of all before we look at the limiting factors, is just... That kind of understanding that there is these three different pigments in chlorophyll, and that they're absorbing the red and the the blue light mainly. They don't absorb much green. They don't absorb much yellow, and that's the sort of energy. They're the wavelengths that is being absorbed and exciting those electrons. So as I said, chlorophyll A is in photosystem one mainly. Chlorophyll B in photosystem two. And then the, the kerotene is just making sure that we can absorb a little bit more of the light than just those two. And that kind of expands the, the wavelengths of the absorption. The next bit that we want to look at is the limiting factors of photosynthesis, just to make sure that we've covered it as fully as we can. What do you think I mean by limiting factor? Or an example of a limiting factor?
0: The sun could limit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if there's not enough light... Then that will limit the amount of photosynthesis that can take place. Well done.
0: Um, The air.
1: What about the air?
0: The carbon dioxide. Yeah, well
1: done. Carbon dioxide, yep. The leaves. What about them?
0: If there's not that many or not enough or they're broken.
1: So that would be more to do with like...
0: Or they're in a weird place where they can't <laughs> see the sun.
1: So that would be more to do with just like presence of the pigments, how many, how much chlorophyll is available, that sort of thing. Okay. Like how much chlorophyll there is when the light hits the leaf, you know, that sort of thing. Or if the light can reach the chlorophyll. Yeah, so limiting factors are usually a part of the photosynthesis equation that if it's not present or if there isn't enough of it, that photosynthesis won't be able to occur at its maximum rate you said light you said carbon dioxide concentration in the air because they're two important parts of the equation we've talked about chlorophyll being one of those as well and then you could also talk about water being one of them and temperature so the photosynthesis obviously is a reaction and you need a, a number of enzymes to work that You know, so we talked about rubisco do you remember that? in the calvin cycle So like Rubisco is an enzyme that occurs during photosynthesis or is needed to catalyse a part of the reaction. Obviously, temperature is going to be really quite important for how those enzymes work because they are particles that need energy to be able to react, to do their job. So there's your main sort of factors in terms of those limiting factors, like they're the main ones. I'm going to just talk about a couple of them and, and why they are Limiting factors and so on. First of all, we talk about light. The more light you've got, the higher the rate of photosynthesis is going to be. What is the reason for that, do you think?
0: Because more of the chlorophylls will leave.
1: The electrons? Yeah. Yeah. So it's about having more energy supplied to the chlorophyll to excite the electrons. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Basically, the more light you've got, the faster the light dependent reaction will be. The more ATP, the more reduced NADP you're making in the Calvin cycle and therefore the more glucose you can make at the end. But what's important to remember is that there is always going to be a maximum rate. There is going to be an amount of light where no more light will have an effect. So the rate will start to plateau. If you were to look at it as a graph, it would be a very simple upline. So it would be a nice steep upline and then it will start to curve and then it will start to go straight so it doesn't matter how much more light you supply to that chlorophyll it will not be able to photosynthesize any more so light will no longer be the limiting factor it will be one of the other factors where maybe we could increase the temperature or give it some more carbon dioxide and it might plateau off a bit higher but light will have no more effect carbon dioxide if you increase the carbon dioxide concentration the photosynthesis reaction will happen faster the rate of that reaction will increase why
0: because there's more carbon dioxide
1: (laughs) yeah so carbon dioxide is actually a raw material of photosynthesis Mm. you need it as part of the reaction it forms part of the reaction without it there isn't a reaction so without it there's no carbon dioxide to to react with the ribulose biphosphate or the rubp Poor old Bill Paxton is all by himself. Bill. Yeah? Yeah. So that's the first step in the Calvin cycle, isn't it? The ribulose phosphate combines with the carbon dioxide and that forms that first unstable carbon molecule, six carbon molecule, which then eventually can be converted into glucose. So without it, there wouldn't be any, any reaction. So it's, it's always going to be a limiting factor. The more carbon dioxide, the faster it'll happen. But again, eventually it's going to plateau off. Again, the line will be a steep up line and then it will start to curve and then it will plateau off all the time because there's only so much carbon dioxide that can be absorbed into the stoma and into the leaf and can be used. And there's only so much ribulose phosphate available to react with it and so on. So you're always going to have that same sort of plateauing off. So it's no longer the limiting factor at that point, but it might increase if you increase the light or the temperature or something else like that. Okay. So something else is the limiting factor at that point. And then temperature is a funny one, because if you were to look at a graph of rate of photosynthesis against temperature, it's not the same as the other two. It doesn't increase, then curve, then plateau off to a straight line where it no longer increases. It forms an actual bell curve, which means it increases, it reaches its maximum, and then it starts to decrease down when you increase the temperature. Well, that's the key thing. With the temperature, as I say, as you increase the temperature, you're giving the particles more energy. They're getting more kinetic energy so they can have collisions. Remember we talked about enzymes in the AS stuff. We talked about how it's about the enzymes and the substrates colliding with each other. And obviously then the substrate fitting into the active site and so on for the reaction. And as you increase temperature, you're giving them more energy. There are going to be increased collisions between the enzymes and the substrates. But after a certain temperature, what happens to enzymes?
0: What's the word? Um, denatured. They, they
1: get denatured. Do you remember what that means? Do you remember what that denaturing is? Um, to do with the active site.
0: Like it loses its shape. Yes. So the key doesn't fit in there. That's
1: box. right. So you, the bonds in the active site start breaking so that it... It's no longer got that complementary shape Mm -hmm. to the enzyme, like the key in the lock. It doesn't fit anymore. So if the enzyme is no longer going to work, the reactions will stop. And if the reactions stop, like photosynthesis, the plant is going to die. That's why we then get a rate of reaction decrease at that higher end of the temperature scale. It's going to basically get to its maximum, optimum temperature of, say maybe 40 degrees, give or take a few degrees, 40 degrees. After that, you're going to start to see a decrease in the rate of photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. You've also got this idea that if you increase temperature, it causes the stomata to close. And the reason for that is because it doesn't want to lose water. If the stomata aren't open, what can't get in? The light. The light goes into the leaf without any issue, usually... What is going in through those stomata holes? What gas is it really important that we just talked about? carbon dioxide. Yeah, okay. It's always a go-to answer, isn't it, (laughs) carbon dioxide? So no carbon dioxide can get in. So again, you're going to get that decrease in the reaction again. And then we can also have a little bit of an issue with temperature affecting the, the membrane. So temperatures affect permeability of the membrane. You stop having this... You know, like when we've got the protons going through the membrane and building up in the space, and that causes the gradient, and then they go through the synthase. Yeah. You need a permeable membrane for that, in the sense that when they go through, they can't just come back. They have to go through the ATP synthase to create the ATP, or to make the ATP. It's going to lose some of its permeability, and it's going to be a free-for-all. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the protons won't stay on that side of the membrane. They'll just be able to pass through with no issue. If you don't have a gradient, you don't have them passing back through the synthase and you won't make your ATP. So there's a couple of reasons there why temperature is really important to photosynthesis. And it's not just about providing the energy for the particles, which is basically what you learn at GCSE anyway. Mm. There is also those other factors which kind of link back to things we've learned in the past, like cell membrane structure, how it's affected by temperature, things like that. If you think about it, these things can be manipulated. So am- the amount of light, carbon dioxide, and temperature can all be in- manipulated agriculturally, like by farmers. Like they don't just grow their plants outside and hope for the best. They grow their plants in special buildings where they can give exactly the right amount Green of light. House. Yeah, exactly the right amount of light, carbon dioxide, and temperature for maximum yield and maximum growth. And the more they do that, the more money they're going to make. So they've basically learned to manipulate as much as possible Mm -hmm. massive greenhouses poly tunnels you know all different things that they can grow plants in which protect them from the environment the weather the issues but create those perfecting conditions for growth for those plants Mm -hmm. yeah so you can have artificial light 24 hours a day you can grow crops out of season by doing that giving them just the perfect temperature and co2 and and all these things can be controlled by computers to be honest one that's mainly used, I think, by farmers in greenhouses is um, the burning of paraffin. Because if you burn paraffin oil, it creates carbon dioxide because paraffin, oh, is, okay. paraffin is a hydrocarbon, so it creates carbon dioxide. And also in the burning is is releasing heat, it's releasing heat energy. So if that can be con- controlled by computers then, can't it? You know, oh, uh, CO2 is getting a bit low, let's, let's burn a bit more, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And then you've also got the idea that they can use fertilisers as well in their soil to give them the right nutrients as well for that. So you do need to think about the fact that it all costs money. Having lights on 24 hours a day, electrical costs, burning paraffin, it has its own costs. So you've got to think about like in order to grow the plants, you need these resources, but you've got to pay for those resources. Are you growing enough plants to make the money back? You've got to balance it off. You know, I would say they don't have the lights on 24 hours a day because they probably can't afford to do that if they're right. not selling the yield. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So there's lots and lots of things to consider in terms of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we'll have a little look at some graphs for different bits and bobs just to make sure that we understand that, really. So that is all the new information, I think, okay. for this. Should we do some questions? Yes. Yeah. So if we look, we've got two graphs. Got graph one and graph two on a resource at teachmescience.co.uk. I don't think I've said that, have I?
0: No. No. <laughs>
1: so I'm blabbering on about you know pictures and whatnot. The resources that Sarah is looking at while I'm teaching her are at teachmescience.co.uk. So it's the A-level tab.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's the well, it will resources. Open in the A-level tab. Yeah. Isn't
0: it? So. Uh, you just need to scroll down. Scroll down. It will say, take me biology, Google, Drive, you click on that, and it will get all the episodes on yeah. Up there.
1: Yeah, so. so you should be able to find what we're yeah. looking at there. But you might have similar stuff in your textbooks, things like that, yeah. okay? But for this, these are out of exam questions, so you probably do need to do this if you want to do the questions. Graph 1. Suggest and explain why the rate of photosynthesis was low between 525 nanometers and 575 nanometers wavelengths of light two marks i
0: think it was nighttime no <laughs> this is
1: that this is like the spectrum of light so this is actual light
0: oh okay
1: yeah light is a spectrum white light is a spectrum if you split it it's all this different colors like the green yeah okay so it's it all to do with green? that it's because it's probably it's the green, it's green section yeah so if you if you only shine Certain parts of the spectrum at a plant, and then do the rate of photosynthesis based on that. That's what this graph is showing. Okay, so it's the different wavelengths of, of light, so basically the different colors of light.
0: Yeah,
1: so you probably the way that you would do that is you would use different colored bulbs or something like that. So if you shine that at the plants and then see how much photosynthesis it carries out, this is the graph of their results. Right. So where it is low, so between 525 and 575 nanometers, we're sort of trying to suggest the reason for that. So you're already saying that that section must be the green light.
0: Yeah. And
1: that is one mark. Okay. So it represents green light or the colour of fluorophyll. What is it doing with that green light? Or what is it not doing with that green light? Not absorbing it. It's not absorbing it. So that's another mark. Well done. So less absorption... More reflection of those particular wavelengths. That must represent the green light. Mm -hmm. So why is there less photosynthesis? I don't know. So what do we need the light for?
0: To go into the chlorophyll. And? Give it energy to the electrons. Exactly.
1: So without that, we're not kick-starting the photosynthesis reaction at all, are we? Mm -hmm. So light is needed for the light-dependent reaction.
0: Yeah.
1: So we need it to excite the chlorophyll. And release the electrons. We need also need it for photolysis, so we need to split the water to give the electron back to the photosystem. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so
0: because it's green, it can't do that.
1: So it, if you were to just shine a green bulb onto a plant, it wouldn't do anything. It can't use that wavelength of light. Yeah. It just reflects it. It mm-hmm. doesn't. It doesn't absorb it, so it won't photosynthesize. Question two is in two parts, and it's using graph two. Now, graph two looks really complicated. Right. So you've got temperature against net rate of photosynthesis. So how much photosynthesis it is carrying out at the different temperatures. Right. But you've also got the respiration. That's the dotted line. So that's how much respiration it's carried out. And there's three curved lines because they've all had a different amount of light as well. So this is what I was talking about before. It goes up and then it goes down because it's temperature. So it goes up because the particles have got more energy. The enzymes and substrates are colliding more, and then you reach your maximum temperature, and then it starts to go down because the enzymes are denaturing. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. But if you have it at different light intensities, it will plateau off, or it will reach its optimum at higher rates because you've got it's also got more light as well. So, first of all, A. So, question A. Name the factors that limited the rate of photosynthesis between X and Y.
0: So, could you say temperature? Yep. Because it was lower. Yep. And the light intensity. Yep, exactly. Spot on. Lower. So,
1: you'd need both those answers for the one mark, and you've got them both perfectly. Okay. So, yeah, exactly right. It's on its way up. So, every time you increase the, the temperature it goes up a bit more. So mm-hmm. it must be limiting it and then you give it more when it goes higher until it reaches the t- the maximum and it starts to go down. But it must be light as well because if you give it more light, it also yeah. goes higher. Yeah, well done. So B, 2B, two, two marks. Use information from the graph to explain your answer.
0: Oh, so would I say like um, the temperature is um, is only given so much heat or... Energy.
1: Energy so light. i mean it's really stru- it's really based what i've just said yeah you know so when you increase the temperature what happens to the rate it goes up but then it, it goes, goes up it does go down eventually but we only are concerned about okay. between x up. and y yeah so it goes up and then <laughs> and what the about same with the light. and the same with the light you give it more light and that also increases yeah. the rate is that okay mm-hmm. So, with that, it's saying that it's measured by the uptake of carbon dioxide. So, how much carbon dioxide it removes from the atmosphere, that's how it knows it's photosynthesizing. Right, okay. There are other ways that it could ask that question. So, it could how be much how much. Grow? No, that's not something that's observable, oh. like in a very short amount of time. It would be like how much oxygen it made. You can measure rate of reaction based on how can do much... You that, that
0: thing where you put it in the water mm. and then you watch the oxygen bubble move.
1: So you can watch the oxygen bubble move or you can actually collect the volume of oxygen in a certain amount of time and that will tell you mm. the rate as well. It's, it's straightforward enough. I mean, yeah. you can't measure how much glucose it's making. That's impossible. So you can measure rate of reaction based on how much reactant is used up and how much product is made within a time limit How much carbon dioxide it takes up is a good one. How much water it takes up is a good one. But you can't really see how much glucose... It has to be a visible thing. You can't see how much glucose it's making. But you can see how much oxygen it is giving off if you collect it in a one-minute or two-minute period. So it's
0: quite a short amount of time.
1: Yeah, so you you want it to be quite quick. So if you count bubbles of oxygen, like a palm weed or something like that, something that's underwater... Or if you just collect the oxygen from a plant, collect it in a gas syringe and it will tell you the volume of oxygen. If it collects more over two minutes than it previously did, then you know the rate is higher. You know it's photosynthesising faster when you change the conditions. Right, shall I do the roundup? Chlorophyll is found in thylakoids in chloroplasts and absorbs light to excite electrons in the light-dependent reaction. Chlorophyll is made up of three pigments, chlorophyll A, B and keratin. Chlorophyll A is the primary pigment in photosystem 1. Chlorophyll B is the primary pigment in photosystem 2. And keratin is an accessory pigment that surrounds the primary pigment to expand the wavelength of absorption. Chlorophyll A is the most abundant. These pigments... Only absorb red and blue from the spectrum. Green light is not absorbed. Instead, it is reflected, making chloroplasts appear green. The presence of these pigments can be a limiting factor of photosynthesis, along with water, but the main factors are light intensity, carbon dioxide concentration and temperature. If any of these three factors are in short supply, photosynthesis cannot proceed at the maximum rate. For light, as light intensity increases, the rate of photosynthesis increases as more energy is being supplied to excite the electrons in the photosystems. Therefore, the light-dependent reaction is faster and more ATP and reduced NADP is made for the Calvin cycle. Eventually, this rate will plateau and light is no longer the limiting factor, so carbon dioxide and temperature become the limiting factor. For carbon dioxide, as carbon dioxide increases, the rate of photosynthesis increases. Carbon dioxide is a raw material or reactant for the photosynthesis reaction as it combines with RUBP. More photosynthesis available, the faster this can happen. Eventually, again, it will plateau and no longer be the limiting factor. So light and temperature become the limiting factor. As the temperature increases, the photosynthesis increases as there will be more collisions between the substrates and the enzymes. And as this is controlled by enzymes past the optimal temperature, the enzymes will begin to denature and the rate of reaction will decrease. It doesn't plateau. Increasing the temperature also causes the stomata to close in order to reduce water loss. Therefore, no carbon dioxide can enter the leaf. Also, temperature can affect the permeability of the membrane to protons. Therefore, there will be no gradient and therefore they will not be able to pass through the ATP synthase to produce ATP
0: got any takeaways right my takeaways are temperature light and carbon dioxide are factors that could limit the photosynthesis heat as well yeah uh, because it can denature it's too hot the green isn't absorbed
1: well done so the green part of the spectrum is not absorbed
0: absorbed, so if you shone a green light on a plant it wouldn't do photosynthesis well done
1: that's good well done that's good Right, so The Wider Reading, we're going to keep as Big Biology Podcast for the rest of this month, I think. Because it was only a couple of weeks in October, wasn't it? And then we've still got a couple of weeks left in November. So we'll keep it at that one. So that's Big Biology Podcast. I actually haven't listened to a lot of the newer episodes at the minute, but it's fantastic. It's such a good episode. Like, again... As I've said before, be careful of it because the language they use is quite a proper biology podcast. So they are talking about quite in-depth biology in places and you've got to know your stuff. So it's good for somebody in year 13 that's already studying studied quite a lot of biology to keep going with it and to, to get that wider reading. And like, just pick out a couple of episodes that you think sound interesting and, and are your sort of style of stuff and give it a listen. Right, contact us
0: if you would like to contact us you can go to our website that is teachmescience.co.uk you can also drop us an email at teachmebiologycast at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at at teachmebiocast and we're also on instagram at, at teachmebiologycast Now we have a lot of messages to read.
1: Yeah, so hang on. If you want to get in touch with us, just send us a message, tell us who you are, why you're listening, where you're from, what course you're doing. It's really fascinating to know how many different courses there are, how far and wide this podcast is reaching. It's just blowing our minds. So thank you so much. Yeah, so just get in touch. If you've got any great revision tips, any great wider reading, we've had some really good recommendations recently from listeners. So thank you so much. So Anything at all you want to contribute to What we are doing here, please do get in touch. And I will say before we do this, if you're not really interested in listening to all our messages, you probably should, you can go now. It's fine, (laughs) we've done all the biology. But we do just want to thank people and just mention um, some people's, people's, yeah, that have listened. So I had a message the other day from a girl called Amy on Instagram who, she just sounds so sweet. So she said, Hey Sarah and Ria, just wanted to say a huge thank you for your podcast. I just listened to your episode on light independent reactions and found it super helpful and funny too. I just wanted to give a tip on remembering the word stroma. It reminds me of the word minestrone, which is food, and the stroma is involved in photosynthesis, which makes glucose, hence food. Slightly ridiculous, but it works for me and follows the pasta theme. Can't wait for your next episode, and I hope that you're feeling better after COVID.
0: I am, thank you very much.
1: So I did reply to her and... um, I don't know. She just really got into the Bill Paxton thing. And I just thought, she's just our kind of person. Yeah. I really liked that. I really liked her. Thank you so much for your message, Amy. That's wonderful. I had a message the other day from a girl called Jade. She's currently a prelim vet med student. And our biology lessons are uh, literally the best, she says. Good. Uh, I have an hour's drive to and from uni and have your podcasts on for the journeys. Thank you so much. So amazing. So amazing to think that. People are listening to us. Every episode is important to them and it just, God, thank you so much. And then um, quite quickly following on from that, I had a message from Caitlin who said that she's a pre-med biology major and just wanted to let us know that uh, she loves the podcast and has helped her so much in regards to preparing for her exams. Thank you so much. So thank you so much for your lovely message. That was amazing. And then I had a message today from, um, I'm going to go with Maria, I think her name is. She says, hi, I'm a Portuguese 11th grade student. I just wanted to know that I how much your podcast helped me, especially the DNA ones. Thank you for what you're doing. And then she put at the end, sorry for my bad English. And there isn't a single bit of bad English in her message. <laughs> so I was quite quick to say there is absolutely nothing wrong with your English. And thank you so much for, for your messages.
0: I don't know if I mentioned this before, but we had an email from a lady called Olivia. And she said that she's uh, just found us and it's helping so much in her biology class. And then she was just wondering where she could find the pictures because we talk about them all the time that was listening on Spotify and obviously she struggled to find them, so sorted her out. But she said, uh, thank you so much for your time. It's very nice. No problem, Olivia.
1: Oh, so we had somebody what was three Ts on our Buy Me A Coffee page and then just put the words brilliant. Nice, But I don't know this person's name all i can see is the email which i'm obviously not going to read out so thank you so much whoever that was and then that was followed up by another person who bought us three teas a lady called anna and she says thank you sarah Rhea and sarah i'm studying to be a dental hygienist and haven't taken biology for five years this is my favorite podcast for review i've also told my friends about it thank you again all the way from utah usa wow Thank you so much, Anna, for your support and for your message. And I hope you're still listening and still finding it useful as you were. And we are so grateful for now, you.
0: We have a fantastic email. I would like to read. Yeah. It's from a lady called Becca.
1: Okay, so Sarah has been winding up about this for days <laughs> just as I've got this email, but I'm saving it for re- to read out on the podcast. A live reaction. She wants a live reaction. I've not heard this yet, and I'm so excited. Okay, Go.
0: It's, it's quite long, so I'm going to read it. Okay. okay. Hi, and she just prefaced by saying that she might not be able to spell, but it's all spelled perfectly. Okay. <laughs> She's doing it on the phone, so sometimes it's right. wrong. Okay. I've just graduated college my four-year degree in instructional, in instructional design. Okay. And one of my high school teachers has approached me about taking a teaching position at my high school. In Florida, the teaching certification process is utter trash and so incredibly confusing. Nonetheless, I have to take a big test to be able to help these students who have done a quarter of the year without an instructor. I've always been confident in my skills and knowledge of biology, but I always get test fright and have been studying every waking moment of every day. I study when I eat, I study when I play games with my family and now i found your podcast I can study while I work. Don't worry though, I enjoy studying so this is a fine regime for me. My exam will be in just a few days, but you might not get this until after. I did see it before. It was on the 19th of October, the exam. Okay. Your podcast is a great and enjoyable refresher for me. I binged listen to 50 of your episodes in two days. Jesus. It's also extremely nostalgic for me because I have a twin sister who struggled a lot in school. She has some attention issues and she she wants counted light fixtures in church. Even though she struggled, I seemed to understand stuff easily and would actually tutor her in biology, chemistry, anatomy and physiology. Yeah. Physiology? Yeah. While in high school. Hearing the older sister teach her younger sister on the podcast has reminded me a lot of my younger twins past. Oh god. I always get this cheesy smile on my face when I listen to your friendly little tangents and sister bits. Oh specifically I loved your tangent on driving instructors. They are all very nasty and rude people over here in the States as well. Oh wow. I'm extremely grateful for your resource. It's like I'm being punched in the face with nostalgia and biology at the same time. (laughs) Haha. Thank you so much for your podcast, Becca. P.S. I've heard in a few episodes you both talk about how surprised you are to have foreign listeners while you can add another one of us Americans to your list. Oh. And then I emailed her back and then on the 19th of October she emailed us again and she said, Dear Sarah and Ria, I passed my exam. Yay! I definitely couldn't have done it without you both since, as I mentioned before, trying to become a certified teacher in Florida is such utter trash process. There are no recommended resources for us so we basically have to self-study for the whole thing. I think a duck could have designed a better programme than some of the loonies they have running our education programmes where I am from. Without your podcast, I would not have passed. As many of the questions I could answer, thanks to you, were not touched on in any of my other materials. You both are amazing and I look forward to all of your next episodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Rebecca.
1: Rebecca, (laughs) you are amazing, well done. How good is that for becoming a certified teacher, you are so welcome <laughs> for our help and what a beautiful email! <laughs> I loved wow, it. I loved
0: it so much. I thought, I've got to wait. I want you to hear it on the pod. <laughs> yeah,
1: that is amazing. Became a
0: certified teacher yeah. with our help. Oh, f- <laughs>
1: that is amazing. Absolutely Obviously, amazing. She's
0: very smart and studies yeah. so hard and works so hard.
1: And I'm so pleased as well that she likes just our bits as well because it makes that makes the podcast what it is and it makes it about i don't know what i want to say but
0: our own little yes it just
1: gives us that our own thing and you know maybe people listen and don't appreciate it or don't want to hear it therefore they don't listen you know maybe we there are people that don't listen because of that whereas we've got Mm -hmm. people that listen because of that and i just think i'm I'm really pleased and i'm so happy to hear all that but
0: that's so many nice messages it is yeah so many yeah
1: and then we had that other one did you read out that other one
0: yes oh here it is now the mcbrides
1: the mcbrides yeah
0: yes um hello i've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now just listened to episode 20 on dna replication i love 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 this podcast i'm a chartered accountant in canada with a science background from way back and your podcast is helping me relearn biology. I'm considering a career change. I love the structure of your podcast. The initial lesson, the questions for Sarah, the round up, the lessons learned. Sarah has such honest responses, which is great, as usually if she doesn't get it the first time round, neither do I. I have been listening to many of many podcasts to refresh my science knowledge and yours is by far one of the best ones i love the pod the podcast platform since i can listen to it while i put the kids to bed fold laundry make lunches etc etc once the kids are asleep i print off your supplemental and try to put it on paper great work ladies and then she sent us a picture of all of her little things that she'd um printed out did you see the picture no it was all of your um Oh bless her. I printed out all my drawings. All the drawings and oh that. bless her. I love that. I
1: love that lady. Because I also love the podcast like you know me, I love podcasts. All the
0: time you listen to them. Yeah. Ever
1: since you told me about the the buffering podcast. Yeah, the buffering, yeah. And I started listening to that and then I was like, Well, there's gotta be other ones I can listen to and I just devour podcasts every single day like yeah. i listen to l- I i feel like hundreds and i just love podcasts yeah. and i am the same I, if i'm doing housework if i'm working if i'm just pottering about i've just got always got one on all the time so i love you <laughs> <laughs> and her
0: name is
1: mal i think was it mal yeah mal yeah, yeah. thank you mal mm-hmm. thanks
0: so much was that the bell
1: yeah that was the bell
0: so I had COVID. Sarah, <laughs> I was so worried about you. <laughs> I had COVID, it hit hard. No, it didn't really. I was fine pretty much. I had symptoms for like two, three days.
1: Yeah, but um, they were bad. Like I was worried for you.
0: I was, I was quite poorly for a few days and then uh, it and wore off. She
1: had to move out of the house Yeah. because she still it. lives with mum and dad and we wanted to protect them. So you've been living in our sister's spare room, haven't you? Yeah,
0: for 10 days. I'm back now, that's it. Yay! <laughs> oh God! Thank God,
1: you're all right.
0: Yeah, so hopefully now we should be putting out episodes regularly again. It was just a little mishap.
1: Yeah, I still can't believe that one of us has had COVID in our family. Yeah, and that two no, years and not a no one person. else caught it.
0: No one else caught it. Everyone else was fine. No, no, no one else got poorly. Just me, which is great.
1: Yeah. Even when you wore that mask and then I wore that mask as yeah, well, so accidentally.
0: I put a mask on at work and then I gave it back because it was Ria's mask and then she was on wearing it. So I, I forgot Obviously and put it on. Didn't know that. Did you know I had covid No, time? I
1: didn't know. I wore it the whole of the next day at school because it was the only mask it. I had.
0: So it, that was the Monday and I tested positive the next day and I'd been feeling poorly for a couple of days already. So Yeah.
1: And you came home with me in the car in that day. The
0: car with you and everything, and you never not n- never even got a runny nose. Never,
1: not at all. No, no symptoms. But my
0: symptom, my main symptom, was tiredness, like
1: fatigue. Yeah.
0: Exhaustion beyond, like just feel like dizzy with tiredness. You couldn't focus on anything. You could. Li- I felt like that day I was at work, and I felt like if I just put my head on the desk, I would fall to sleep. Wow. And then obviously that night I did the lateral flow test and I was positive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and you were so, like proper positive, like it was strong. Yeah.
0: It was like so I put the little thing on the sample well, and um, straight away like within seconds I was seeing a line at the T. And I was, oh, because I've had nightmares like I've had repetitive nightmares of having a positive lateral flow test, and it was my nightmare brought to life. Yeah. Oh bless
1: you. <laughs> you're back but that, and that's it we're, we're back now and we will be here every week yeah. till the end of this course we promise
0: yes. uh, I my name is Sarah Matthews
1: and I'm Ria Corbett
0: this has been Teach Me Biology and we'll see you next time bye 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 <laughs>